Hi, welcome to another episode of the Visual Storytelling Today podcast. The show is designed for you, the marketer or entrepreneur, who may be looking for more effective ways to connect better with audiences through the exciting world of visual storytelling. We will introduce you to inspiring experts from diverse industries that bring fresh perspectives on how to capture attention, build trust, emotional empathy, and last but not least, drive business results. Enjoy the show. Hi, I'm Shulmi Rong, the CEO of Visual Storytelling Institute, and welcome to another episode of the Visual Storytelling Today show. We are actually recording this session from Miami, Florida. It's actually 7 a.m. here, and I'm really excited about the topic of today. Uh, seriously, when you're thinking about uh, what I call the growing communication noise and the need for marketers to break through the clutter, there's definitely a, a more importance on the using visual content, images, videos, and, and so forth. And what we've started to see is that uh, there's a, a new age of uh, platforms that uh, really cater to non-designers and people that uh, really need to create compelling visuals uh, quickly. And this is really part of a larger trend that I see, which is all these no-code platforms that really democratizes uh, the, the ability to create uh, without knowing how to program, uh, or in this case, how to design. So that's really uh, what fascinated me as well. And I think the question on everybody's mind, all right, this is great, you know, you can uh, create uh, visuals easily, but how can you create uh, this perfect uh, visual story that can really inspire people and move them emotionally? So. To discuss this, I'm so excited to, to speak today with uh, Aiching Go. She's the co-founder and CEO of Picture Chart. It's a web app offering users without intensive graphic design experience to easily create professional grade visuals using themed templates. So welcome to the show, Aiching. Thanks for having me, Shlomi. <laughs> <laughs> no, and I should say, I met Aiching because she was so kind to invite me to the Business Storytellers uh, Summit uh, that Peter Chart uh, hosted just a week ago, I believe. And yeah. super successful. And I actually watched a couple of her interviews. I really got intrigued to learn yeah. more about her background. And yeah. maybe we can start with that. Maybe you can share with us your yeah. backstory. What was that magic moment that really made you start Peter Chart? Yeah, I, it's, a, it's a while back now, but also um, multiple like moments that created or spurred the, the entire idea. So to go all the way back, um, I was in my first like corporate job and I was going through a lot of burnout. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually hospitalized for a surgery that would normally take people about like two weeks to recover. Mm-hmm. I was bedridden for like three months. And then I thought like, is this what working life was like? Um, so when I came out of this whole period of like soul searching and recovery, I was determined I'm never ever going back to that, you know, really bad like burnout episode. And I, um, so I was searching for what kind of environment or what kind of mission did I actually want? And what I knew for sure was that I wanted a place that fostered genuine human empathy, where people worked with one another and reviewed each other as, you know, fellow human beings. And um, we're not just workers or cocks in a wheel, basically. And and also that has a a mission that I can stand behind. So that was like, those were my requirements. So because we couldn't find anything, we were based in Malaysia, we still are based in Malaysia um, at that time. And um, what happened was that 
uh, we, we built our, so my husband and I, we built our web design consultancy firm and I was looking for clients. Uh, naturally, he's the developer. We have a designer and we had to study. I had to study all about like inbound marketing and content marketing. Like how mm -hmm. do I attract, yeah. you know, more clients? And I came across like this whole infographics thing. And I was like, oh, that's pretty effective actually, like to try to communicate and get a message across. Mm -hmm. I was very used to in my corporate life to sit through, you know, hundreds of like slides, yeah. you know, and, and I was like something that like a meaning that could have been so condensed into um, such a short visual really captivated me and I was extremely intrigued. Mm -hmm. So that was how like the idea of um, picture chart came about. Like it was born out of necessity. We were trying to find ways in order to, you know, generate leads or like try to um, get the message out there and um, trying to find the most effective medium of doing so. And it felt like, you know, infographics was it. And was there any kind of particular infographic that uh, was, you can think of was that wow moment that really inspired you? I'm kind of wondering. No, I, I don't think so. But the, the, I think the movement that inspired me a lot at that time was um, actually HubSpot. So mm -hmm. I get because of corporate environment, like all I was taught about in marketing was like push, right? Push advertising, yeah. push marketing. Yeah. And I was like, this thing's pull. Like you, you don't need to do that much, you know? Like you just need to like figure out really like meaningful, good quality content. And then um, people, I, I wouldn't say people naturally be attracted to you, but at least the idea was so novel at that time and it completely flipped my, you know, my entire like worldview or perspective of marketing itself and the way information was given out and consumed by brands actually. So um, yeah, that it wasn't a particular infographic, I would say. I see. Yeah, no, that's definitely an interesting time. And, and I, I feel it also in my day to day, I'm a great uh, fan of creating infographics that uh, can uh, really distill a, a simple message visually. I enjoy doing it, <laughs> so yeah. I totally get it. And one thing, you know, you probably, since you are operating in a very uh, crowded space of other players, I'm sure you also getting this question often uh, about how you differentiate yourself from Canva, which surprisingly actually was, uh, was started a year after you, <laughs> you started yeah. the picture chart. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a question. Yeah, like you said, we get quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. We started out as an infographic tool, so we had a good niche like going on for a while. So Canva didn't come into the market like with a launch at least until yeah. I think about like twenty fourteen. So like two mm -hmm. um, years after us, and um, Canva tried to cater to a very general and broad you know market and audience. So I I like to think of them as like they're like a Swiss Army knife. Like you know any type of like graphic design you oh, can go to them. Yeah, like you, you really can go to them. Like they literally allow you to design all kinds of things. But we had a niche um, from the very beginning. And um, for us, we actually tried to focus as much as possible on helping people to transfer as much meaning as possible in the you know, lowest amount of time. Mm -hmm. And um, since visuals were much easier to consume compared to like text content, we wanted to cater to an audience that really got that and needed that as well. Mm -hmm. So that would apply to people who had either text or you know data heavy uh, type of content translating that into something that was easier to connect with so our roots have always been in storytelling and mm -hmm. in the months to come actually we're building out uh, several like features and product differentiators even positioning ourselves to ensure that people get it that we're not just there to help you design something we'll help you to try to get the message Sorry. across yeah. Yeah, the, the story, of course, yeah, exactly. But I, yeah. I try to sometimes avoid using the word story too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but yeah. I know that uh, 
Adobe Spark has uh, some features where they can give you like templates for a different part of the story and yeah. different uh, business objectives and you can just uh, yeah. play and play. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's a lot. I mean, like, yeah, we, we saw mm -hmm. that in the space, like previously everything was all about like design, 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 you know, yeah. design for presentations, design for, I don't know, videos, design for something like website, like you right. said, no code, you know. And then now it's, it, you can see the shift it's moving more and more towards um, like not just what's beautiful and what's an eye candy but how do you get like how do you make the best impact how do you ensure that people understand how do you move them to action and I, I, you can see the shift in brands or, or tools like us right actually making that shift um, quite a bit now yeah. and do you specialize in specific formats um, well, we, because infographics have always been our, you know, mm -hmm. like kind of the, the thing that we started uh, with, that would be the still no. currently one of the number one uh, things that we work with. But okay. I would say like presentations are equally, you know, used as much. Um, sometimes people create much shorter banners, which later on I would also go through a couple of examples that I think um, really succinctly communicate a message through a visual. Awesome. That's great. Yeah, definitely. I'm curious to see a few examples. Before we dive uh, deeper, you know, the question I, I keep asking all my guests, because uh, as you know, visual storytelling, you know, I started four years ago, for example, when I Google visual storytelling, I would get results about graphic design, filmmaking, or photography. It was nothing in the context of marketing. So I'm always curious to ask my guests uh, how they define uh, visual storytelling. Yeah. So what's your take? Yeah. I think my short definition, like to make it easy, like to people who are like, oh, that's a jargon or a buzzword. I'll be like, it's just simply the ability of getting a message across through a visual. Mm -hmm. um, if I had to expand that a bit more, I may actually say something to do with like condensing meaning in as little time as possible. And here I'd like to share something, um, just my screen. Hold on. Okay, so here we go. Can you see this? Okay, so this is a company, um, they're actually a venture capital, like a, an investor called Loop Ventures, and they do tons and tons of like research into different, different areas. And one of the things that they talk about is actually the future of human information consumption. Um, I, I didn't do this research, but it, it kind of came to the same place that, you know, like what PictoChat like thinks about. So one of the charts here, like they would show that the amount of waking hours or the percentage of waking hours that we spend bombarded um, with information has come to a point of near saturation. I mean, if you think about it, and it's pretty true, information doesn't just refer to like dashboards, charts and reports and texts. Like while you're, you know, driving to work, you could be listening to, I don't know, Spotify or the radio, that's information consumption. Mm -hmm. When you're looking at, I don't know, the billboards, again, that's like another form of information consumption. Right. A conversation is an information, you know, it's, it's still an exchange of information. So the idea is that, like, according to their research, like, we've hit about, I think, 72% um, of um, uh, a point. And it, it's, like, it's so crazy that the human mind doesn't stay silent or quiet anymore. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. But anyway, that, that's one piece of information that I thought was, like, super interesting. Um, the second one was actually, and this one, I think marketers actually find it intuitive, but we... You know, we just maybe find it difficult to find statistics that could actually back it up. This is the ratio of information that has been consumed versus the total information that has been created. And it is extremely clear, I think, to everybody that there is way too much information that has been 
um, whether it's in, in, in the world of marketing, even more so because the amount of like blog posts, podcasts, um, video content, etc. Like there's where again, there's so much of it that um, you wouldn't, you know, like the, the ratio of consumption just isn't meeting it right now. So that's um, another something that they talk about. And then the so the shift of the paradigm. I'm going to skip through a, a lot of things. By the way, um, this, this, yeah. this, this data is really in global data around the world or specific regions? Yeah. No, to my understanding, this was conducted no. by Carrot. So um, in the US, yeah. So okay. it's, I'm not sure whether it's global, global, but uh, mm -hmm. it's worth checking out. Like as a VC, they're, they're pretty interesting. Like they back all of their theses based mm -hmm. on data. So if they don't see an opportunity that's in the future that they don't believe or understand, they basically will not invest in it. Information consumption was one of the areas. Um, so then they talked about, I, I mean, the, the article is pretty long, but I'm, I'm just going to point us to like this part. Yeah. And this is also where like, when we came across this, we were like, oh my goodness, this is so similar to what we believe. So like I mentioned earlier, um, infographics are a way to succinctly communicate something that would have otherwise, you know, taken one more time. But it's also not about trying to condense as much information because information could be quality. It could be of really poor quality or like you don't need to know it. Like basically it's not valuable information. So um, what they're trying to say is like the most important thing is to try to get as much meaning or valuable information mm -hmm. across to a particular audience um, in the shortest amount of time. So yeah. the way or the person or the tool or the platform, whatever that has invented it or found a way to that will be kind of riding on a, you know, a, a very um, good wave um, in the future. So we're not actually in touch with Loop Ventures, but when we came across this, um, you know, this like whole uh, research that they, they mm -hmm. carried out, like it really resonated a lot with us. Yeah, that's great. I think yeah, there's a great value. Yeah. I mean, I'm always using the example that the, the problem visual storytelling is trying to solve is the growing communication noise. And when you think about what is communication noise, it's really a, yeah. this conflict between a, what you just showed earlier, you know, this staggering information overload, I mean, that's that 72%. Yeah. And, yeah. and on the flip side, increasing attention spans. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so sorry, that was a really long answer to like, what, how do I think about visual storytelling? But that, that's precisely what I think. It's how do you get, you know, meaningful or good message, good quality or valuable information across to a person in the shortest amount of time using visuals. That's it. In the story part, obviously, it's the engine. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, so you obviously have been running people chart for how many years now? Eight years. Eight years. Yeah. Wow. That's... Yeah. That's a really long time. So, yeah. first of all, uh, congratulations for making it this far. <laughs> it's not yeah. obvious, you know, these days. Yeah. And yeah. one of the things that I was wondering, you know, since you've been uh, following the industry and, and seeing, you know, the, the evolution of your creators, what type mm -hmm. of content they've been creating and what seems to be yeah. resonating the most, have you figured out, you know, what are the key drivers that make a perfect visual story? Yeah, we have. So, um, I, and I'm not saying we've like totally figured it out. I think we figured out, um, you know, not just by looking at what our users are creating, but also mm -hmm. from learning, you know, from other experts um, such as yourself. And like, you know, even the Business Storyteller Summit, lots of uh, these components kind of came out time and time again. So mm -hmm. for me, I focus on three things. Um, 
once again. So the first one, and it obviously has to do with, like you can call it the story. I call it the message. Um, mm -hmm. I call it the message because I think that it's very important to have a very compelling um, mm -hmm. and truthful message that we're trying to transmit across to a person. And um, that message could be, uh, I could use like perhaps like you know in the United States right now like there's at least uh, 130,000 like cases per day, uh, and that's that's kind of insane. You know, it, it's truthful because I got the statistics off the internet. But why is it compelling? How does it move me to act on something? Mm -hmm. um, so that's the part that like everybody needs to think about. How do we want to craft that and work out? Um, you know, like 130,000 may mean very different things to different people. So we yeah. kind of need to. Yeah, either put in a comparison or like to contrast that. So the second one would actually be with structure. Um, in a very short, I think even in a very short and succinct visual, um, you still would need structure in order to try to figure out how do I best, you know, get that uh, message across to as many people as possible. And the third one would be the delivery. So in a presentation, typically you would be looking at the, you know, tonality, you'd be looking at like right. gestures. Yeah, lots of like, you know, visual verbal cues. Um, but in a static design, you're actually looking for design that helps to amplify the message and not distract the message. Um, because we're, we've been in infographics and we've seen all kinds of like different design trends that have gone over the years, like it's very important to kind of do our very best in order to come up with a design that's like, how do I put it? Like it's clean and it helps to amplify the message as much as possible um, instead of being, you know, like on the periphery and like the beautiful icons and um, images and things like yeah. that. So I think what are, you mean the last, uh, the third one is really like the brand voice or what is the, the visual grammar? What is the style? Is it uh, yeah. warm? Is it cold? You know, and that's how basically the static image is actually speaking to you if you compare it to like a presenter voice that actually yeah. presenting. Well, yeah. The static image is really like the tonality, yeah. the, the tone of how the image is projecting emotions. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's right. So like everything goes back to that same, you know, formula that I've uh, mentioned and showed earlier, even from Luke Ventures. Like it's about how do you get as much meaning? So try to remove distraction, how to get that, um, story to be as compelling and positioned as well as possible um, and, and get that across in the shortest amount of time. So it's, you know, the the objectives are to do with still thinking about the message, um, structuring it and basically uh, coming out with a delivery or what you call a style or, you know, a brand, like a voice um, for, yeah. And I'm kind of curious, uh, when you think about infographics, you, as you said, this is your strength, do you differentiate between infographics that uh, bring to life a, a concept, an idea, without any data, versus those that use some stats in it? Yeah, I, I think infographics are like, they, in a, the most, maybe an oversimplification, you could just think of them as information graphics, right? Like there are yeah. graphics that convey, uh, convey a certain amount of information. In the example that I would show later, like one of them clearly demonstrates that. I don't strictly think about them as like data and statistics. I think that's one type, like you have the numerical, you know, more data heavy type of things. But um, I believe, and from what we have seen, um, when our users come to create, like, not that many of them actually use like charts. Charts is definitely one of our most popular features, yep. but it's not the only one. In fact, a lot of them are trying to find 
metaphors or analogies like mm. or a way to succinctly create or you know communicate something across so they're, they're looking for visual metaphors um if i could put it that way yeah yeah, yeah. It might, we might also call it like the memes versus, you know, yeah. the data-driven infographic. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I do not, um, yeah, put or categorize like infographics as well. If you don't have numbers or you don't communicate any form of data, it's not an infographic. I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. So now that you kind of, uh, you know, triggered our interest and curiosity about uh, seeing some examples, maybe you can show us a few that. Uh, in your opinion, really demonstrate the successful visual stories that yeah. you're using on the platform? Yeah, sure. I'd love to. So I didn't pick the ones that were created on our platform because a lot of the users that are on PictoChart, they're um, like the material, a lot of them, oftentimes they're like dashboards for internal usage or presentations for, yeah, and I will not be able to get right. permission for a lot of them. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, but with that, I still have a couple of examples here. So this is one guy, I don't know if you've heard of him. Um, he's Jack Butcher, so he does multiple, yeah, I think he has a training platform um, and like a community that he's building, but he also does this as a side project and it's doing super well. If you look at it, this is like January of 2019 and look at the amount of followers he has right now. It's 100,000 yeah. organic followers, you know. He releases one visual per day and look at these visuals. I mean, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to talk about every single one of them. This, all of it, like look at the delivery or the, the style, the brand voice, whatever. It's just black and white. He uses one particular font. Some of it doesn't even have text. And if he has a com accompanying text, it's like, it's usually about one sentence long. He doesn't bother to write, you know, thousands of words yeah. or hundreds of words. But what I love about his visuals and his ideas that he's able to communicate, if you look at them, it's like I'm able to I'm able to tell a story from the visual itself. Like it, it leaves um, kind of the imagination, you know, to yeah. the um, and I take less than like three to five seconds to be able to figure this out. So in this one it's like I don't know, to expand it I would have said something like, um, you know, if I like don't do don't try to do ten things semi well like you know do one thing super well and then forget about like the other nine things and that's how you narrow your focus but yeah I, i'm able to as the audience like to expand upon that and i think that's very very powerful and very very few people actually um can do this although a lot a lot of people are actually looking for the ability to tell um a story this well and this compellingly well um it's really I, I, a, I like the you know the really you know economy of the not overwhelming the yeah yeah so again yeah, again, it's like, how do you get meaning? Like, and I tested this myself. I tested it, like I showed people some random, you know, like um, pictures like that. Some even without, the, uh, of course, some of them I require some text, but some I don't. Like in this one, work versus luck, I don't even require the text here. I could tell, like work, it gives you, you kind of, you reap what you sow, right? So you, like you, if you work, it's compounding, your results are compounding. If it's luck, it's like, you don't know, it's a hit or miss, like it's a one-off event and that's it. And it's so clear, like, you know, nobody needs to tell me that my brain reads that within like three seconds and I can tell the complete story. And I think this is a very successful type of um, storytelling. I'm not saying that 
you know, every single like business or brand would or would or would be able to emulate this. But the idea was that I, I found his approach very succinct, and he he follows yeah. the principle of like how do you condense as much meaning as possible within a short amount of time. Um, and he's definitely doing quite well at this. Yeah, I love it. So it's, it's great. You know, and as yeah. you said, you know, everybody's telling a different story. Try to find meaning, yes. what it yeah. really means in your life. So. Yeah. And he, he does so many things. I mean, like he does, um, you know, slight gifs and then he does quotes. I, I, I'm even amazed sometimes. I'm like, how do you come out with all of these ideas? But <laughs> he's yeah. just good at this. <laughs> yeah. Another one more example. So I think of like brands this is like, it's not just the brands, but I think especially in the tech startup um, environment, uh, and I'm quite active on Twitter, like I find that the founders actually sometimes have more uh, interesting things, you know, like that they talk about. So this guy, um, so it's not a, it's a personal brand, perhaps he's one of the product managers at Stripe and he talks about high agency. And what I love about his, I, like I've been reading and following his tweets because they're so, once again, like it's like reading 20 of his thread, which I would finish within like five to 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. It's sometimes like reading a condensed version of one book and that's again following the principle of like you would condense the most um, amount of meaning within the shortest amount of time and i think shoyas does this really well um, yeah. and in this like you could see his method of trying to explain to us what who is a person with high agency so he goes through a bit of like text to explain that um but then you know he puts it in a very simple like two by two matrix and then yeah. um he kind of explains you know again like i, I read this and this one may take me a bit longer. Maybe I take 15 seconds to digest the diagram, but the second mm -hmm. I do, I get it. And then he goes on to explain it and to like, and then he uses all of these visuals to kind of say like, well, to, you know, um, if you hire a person with, let's say low talent, but has high agency, which is basically the ability of getting things done, yeah. um, even when the odds are against you, uh, it's okay because these people, because of their high ability of getting things done and making things happen, um, they would become game changers. So they would become, you know, their talent would grow over time. So it's fine to get that versus getting somebody who's highly talented, but they just complain about everything. Then you have a frustrated genius and these people would, you know, basically be a, a problem in the organization. And all of these things become so clear. And it like, again, my brain starts working when I um, read and together the visuals that accompany it, it helps me get the message even faster. Um, and he uses, I mean, like, this is paper and pen, you know, <laughs> there's nothing, no, no yeah. secret to this. I, I don't think he spends too much time, you know, trying to figure out, like, what's the best way of, you know, he's not a brand. I mean, at the end of the day, he, I, he's a person who's sharing and, um, again, his social media uh, is doing super well. Lots of followers in the product um, management perspective, but the idea is the same. Like, he follows the whole principle of how do I get, you know, the most amount of meaning and like I said, sometimes I, I go back to read his tweets because I feel like it's like a book summary and I get so much out of it within such a short amount of time. And I, I love like following um, people like that and, you know, and, and learning from them how they, how they actually manage to master this, you know, art of storytelling. I don't even know if they mm -hmm. think of themselves as storytellers, but I, I certainly see that like they have a lot of talent in trying to um, succinctly, you know, condense and compress lots of information, um, lots of useful information. This is actually a short interesting, amount. you know, what you've yeah. shown here, especially, you know, these uh, characters that he drew here, obviously he's not an illustrator. And, and I think this is a, another trend that I see kind of emerging. I, I even find myself 
started, uh, you know, using a, a stylus on a, you know, Adobe Sketch, for example, to draw mm -hmm. just simple things that can personalize a graphic using my yeah. own, you know, ideas. And, yeah. and I think this is another layer that started to trickle in because you would think that, you know, only illustrators that can really know how to draw, you know, like a full body of a person, like facial expression, yeah. are really focused on this area. But now we start seeing a lot of folks like this example that are not, uh, you know, feel confident to really start drawing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, and, and that's the thing. I think, like, you know, People are beginning to, and brands, companies, as well as individuals are beginning to like realize the whole value of like stories because, yeah. or storytelling, because you may have a message that's really compelling, but if you don't have um, either the visual part or and in some cases, you don't even need very strong visuals. I think that's the point that I'm making because the, the most important part is how do we get that message that, you know, story, whatever, um, across in, in the best way that resonates, you know, together with, uh, with the audience. So yeah. Um, and like you said, you know, you don't need to be a very artistic person. The most important part is that that's the most, the best uh, representation that you can think of in order to communicate um, that story. So that, like, I, I think that's precisely what uh, storytelling is about. And more and more people are aware of it because before this, I think people were just thinking about how do I make this look good? You know, how do I make this look pretty and all that? But now they're getting it that it's not about that. It's not so much about the, the beautiful um, part of things. It's really about that message that's compelling. Yeah. 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 No, you're right. Yeah. I would also call it maybe the, yeah. the, ragged, <laughs> the ragged look or the authentic, the, the not polished. Uh, that yeah. really, you know, shows your personality versus, you know, the, yeah. the, the top yeah. of your quality. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Like, uh, it would be good to have the designer quality as well. Like, I'm, yeah. I'm going to admit that. But yeah. at the same time, I, what I've discovered is that I feel like the story trumps it, you know. It trumps exactly. even. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's, and that's the message that I think as picture. Yeah. I know that we're a design tool, so I'm not going to, you yeah. know, like shoot ourselves in the foot. But um, at the same time, it's, it's totally true. Like, the message matters a lot more and people are realizing it. Our customers are, and that's also why we're also headed in a direction where we'll make sure that we're not positioning ourselves like just purely as a design tool. Yeah, that's very smart. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so so looking at your uh, time and picture charts, uh, obviously the, it's a journey, like and any journey has ups and downs. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit about uh, maybe a, a, memorable, a memorable failure or things that didn't work out uh, along the way yeah. that... Uh, you've learned some important lesson. Yeah, yeah I, I have. So this one isn't a, um, about, you know, visual storytelling itself. Um, I have lots and lots of failures, but I, I think I'll share this one, which is more related to like product um, itself. So we actually launched an iPad app four years ago and it was a massive flop. We actually like two years after that, we had to unpublish it from the app store. Mm. So um, the idea, like I'm going to talk about the, how we came about the idea and then what I learned. Um, so the idea came about because mobile seemed to be all the rage, you know, like when you think about four years ago. So we launched a survey among our like user base and then we kind of asked them, well, which, you know, like, do you all need a mobile device? Like what will you need it for? Mm -hmm. And then like which mobile device, like you're an Android, are you on tablets or are you on like, you know, the iPhone? Um, and then the first, and like we got a, a, a very... I wouldn't say skewed, but we got a, a very high response on the iPad. Um, so we actually built it 
And this is like four years ago. So if I ever had to do this all over again, I never would do it the first thing. The first one is to like really uh, understand the user segmentation. Like that's super, super important. So we actually have a lot, um, a ton of like schools and, you know, education like using us. And we didn't realize that the, the ones who gave us the response of iPad were actually skewed towards the education sector. So that made our results like very biased. Like it wasn't, you know, so much to do with business. I know it's a very rookie mistake, but still like the importance yeah. of user segmentation was like super important since then. And the second one is actually like, do not build what the users want. I think Henry Ford was the famous one who came up with, if you ever ask what the users want, you will build faster horses. You never get cars. Um, <laughs> yeah. So learn about what, what they need and why they need it. And like from there, try to solve for the problem instead of taking the solution out of their mouth. And then the third one was that we tried to build the entire app in-house. And that's not very smart because we're all not iOS developers. I think we would have and should have outsourced this to professionals instead. Yeah. And then, because um, we just spent too much time trying to figure it out. Yeah. Uh, and the fourth one is, and this is lean and we, we now build like our products in a lean and an agile fashion as much as we can. So go for the most minimal way of validating a particular idea prototype. And that these are like all of the mistakes that we've done <laughs> yeah. um, to do with like product discovery and, you know, market validation as well. Yeah, no, I think it touched on very important uh, tips for a lot of people, you know, in different disciplines. Uh, the second one that came to my mind is, is really, you know, the, the iPad, you know, which is kind of a, in between the, the smartphone and, and the laptop. That nobody knows mm. that uh, it's a need. <laughs> and yeah. kind of validates what you said. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the things that, uh, you know, since we, Unfortunately, eight months in uh, into the pandemic, and that has changed mm. you know the world in a really dramatic mm. way, both yeah. you know, on the personal level but also uh, on the business side. Uh, most businesses, uh, you know, that kind of tried to yeah. delay digital transformation had to jump right in <laughs> because yeah. nobody will show up in the office. And what mm. kind of uh, intrigued me in your background is that. Uh, You've been working uh, virtually for a while now, even before the pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So I'm kind of curious to see, you know, if you have any, uh, you know, insights uh, about uh, working virtually and if you see any trends, specifically at this time, in mm. social distancing and the virtual workplace. Yeah. I, I thought about this more from a product perspective, but I, I also think that there may be a, like, a more cultural answer. So I know that, uh, the workplace culture will evolve like it, it's forced already to go through a very massive yeah. like evolution right now like lots of teams and companies are forced to work you know remotely mm -hmm. and I think one of the biggest things that happen out of this is um, what one how do you foster as much empathy and you know ensure that people are still building relationship they still mm -hmm. have the camaraderie as they would if they were all like just sitting right you know side by side um, and I, I think that's a challenge and the second one is if the company or the leadership isn't already a, um, a you know a culture that's very trusting. Uh, that becomes quite a big problem. Like I've I've taken yeah. quite a number of questions from other entrepreneurs that have never done this before, and they kind of go like, "Well, how do you trust your team? Like, how do you know that they're not running errands? Like, is it okay if they run errands?" I'm like, "Are you still living in the <laughs> you know like in the 1950s where you need to yeah. clock in and clock out? Like, it it doesn't yeah. matter, right?" In the um, in this age and time, like productivity is not equal to time at all. Uh, it's not the amount of time that you spend in front of your computer that determines like the quality of your outcome. So uh, I, I felt that for 
yeah, from a cultural perspective, like, you know, companies really have to learn how to shift and adapt, like build relationships literally through, you know, mm -hmm. through the screen and through videos. And actually for the product, we saw something else that was like, Interesting, you, you probably, I'm very sure that you know that because I saw on your, like, on your, uh, you know, in your podcast as well, you had guests that were all about, like, creating long-form yeah. video content, and we can see that videos are exploding right now. Like, the watch time on a uh, number of people um, watching uh, on YouTube has actually grown by 60%. That's, that's crazy, like, watch mm -hmm. time, you know? So, like, it's not, uh, I think if it, if it's not because of the pandemic, it shouldn't have gone this much. Like uh, the amount of time people are spending on, on videos right now. So every company's like meetings are now recorded in videos. I mean, like this is a video on its own, you know, yeah, exactly. but what's great about videos is that it's so personable. Mm -hmm. um, it contains like really rich contextual cues about like what a person's like. My personality shows through the video. So yeah. does yours, you know, like, and, and that is, that is wonderful. And I think that brands should learn how to, um, embrace this more and more. And I don't mean like the perfectly scripted ad or, you know, yeah. or um, I, I mean like really natural conversations like that. Uh, people want to see what's going on, you know, behind the brand, like talked about that, like, like real people and things like that. So uh, you also see like several um, companies embracing this more and more. Uh, they're trying their best, obviously it's still scripted, but like, for example, I think um, Microsoft, like Sadia Nadella does a seriously good job with these videos. Uh, whenever they're announcing like a, a new launch of uh, mm -hmm. a product, like I, I know that he's worked on the script, but he still looks so real natural. and so authentic, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, very, very natural. Like, uh, he either has it or, I don't know, it's just the way, <laughs> like the way, you know, his team has arranged for him to look. But, right, um, right. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But I, I, I love videos and we have, um, we've just recently built a, a product as well to enable video repurposing um, really quickly. So it's not yet uh, there in terms of like the storytelling capabilities, but we're sooner or later going to be building in um, that area as well. Cause we just see that videos is here to stay. Like they, they really are here to stay. And kind of a related question to this, you know, as you probably heard in the news, you know, all this talk about the upcoming vaccines. So yeah. how do you see like the, the post pandemic landscape looks like for businesses, you know, mixed reality of both offline interaction and virtual? I'm, uh, I'm personally, it's, I felt like it's a, it's almost like a good development, you know, like it forces every company's culture. Like I said, if they, the employers or the leadership wasn't very trusting, um, they would be able to yeah. find ways of getting, you know, work done. I think it has opened up like tons of po like possibility for people to live happier and work much mm. happier because they're, like lots of people, as we all know, have moved out of like, you know, the Bay Area, etc. Um, like back to either where, where they used to be. And I mean, like work is now no longer like tacked or, or packed to a, a location uh, specifically. And I also think it's forcing like lots of uh, cultural changes within mm -hmm. uh, organizations, which is again, really, really good. Yeah. So yeah, in, in all of this, I mean, Anyway, it's going to take some time, even with the vaccines out. It's not like the whole world will get, you know. Yeah, um, sure. yeah, yeah, it's still going to take some time. But I, I just see this as a leap into the work, uh, the future of work, actually. And it's, it's taking place and it's looking very exciting and good. There's just a ton of flexibility and freedom, which is what I think work should be anyway. So. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, as you said, some value to in-person interactions. But I think 
now that people realize the, the value of virtual and the you know the efficiency, the costs uh, reduction, yeah. you know you can accomplish a lot. Yeah, um, it's just a matter of finding the right balance uh, when we're ready. <laughs> That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So you, one thing you talked about earlier is really how can you uh, communicate uh, information in the shortest time, uh, but mm-hmm. in a way that's very impactful. And mm-hmm. one of the things that uh, a lot of uh, uh, marketers are, entrepreneurs are thinking about is how can you really uh, condense uh, emotions into a visual story in the most effective way? So in the planning stage, people think about that or this is an afterthought, what do you think? Yeah, yeah I, I don't um, personally think about uh, emotions as an afterthought, and neither do I really plan for emotions. I felt that every single person, like especially in, in um, videos and things like that, like a, a brand itself has a personality yeah. um, that it would you know, convey, and, and that's also why I'm all for um, people living out the brands like in you know in the case of like microsoft mm-hmm. earlier that i spoke about like satya he when he talks about all of these um, new launches etc it's he's representing microsoft to a certain extent and his emotions his personality everything comes through and it shines through um so i like i, I don't know if there's a way to condense like emotions because i think it's more important to just be real and authentic like you mm-hmm. know if we were like i don't know the team that's working on that were to give him a script that would make him sound like I don't know, Steve Jobs, it probably wouldn't work out because he's not him. (laughs) And yeah, he has his own individual, you know, personality. So I I don't feel like emotions or personality needs to be further condensed. It's Mm -hmm. already, it's there. Like the moment you show up, it's it's you. Um, Yeah, and that's great because Mm -hmm. people love that. Um, In this age, especially where we're all, you know, still currently socially distanced and all that, people crave Mm -hmm. for that. They crave for realness they create a raw things and you know authenticity so i i think um right. people don't really need to do more than just literally being themselves for the aspect of you know emotions and personality for the message itself i always think you need to trim the fat you always need to trim everything as much as possible because um uh most of the time less is more less is really more yeah yeah that's interesting yeah no, i think you're right i think uh, it's definitely emotion it's on one hand, it's a built-in uh, feature that uh, will show the minute you yeah. show your visual or your face on a video. But uh, right. to your point about the message, you know, when you kind of look at the buyer's journey, you know, maybe awareness messages, some of them, uh, you know, use some drama to create sense of, uh, you know, tension versus yeah. others that may be designed to create uh, admiration. So. You can, yeah. at least in a, on the message level, things that yeah. are not really related to the delivery, maybe yeah. think about uh, what emotions you want to trigger. So well, that's interesting. Yeah. 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 Okay. One thing that uh, is also interesting to me to hear your opinion about, you know, since you've been in active in the digital storytelling space for a while now, where do you mm-hmm. see the future and uh, 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 mm-hmm. where we headed the visual storytelling. Yeah, I, I think, um, so my team and I have been talking about this quite a lot. Um, and I think that visual storytelling is headed in the same direction that design has for the past 10 years. So I'm going to contrast it a bit. Uh, 10 years ago, in order to be, a, I mean, like if you wanted to design anything at all, you would need either a degree or you need to learn up Adobe. Both these things do not 
you know, take a short amount of time. You need to basically invest quite a bit um, in order to become a designer. And it was a siloed profession. If you're a designer, you're a designer. You're not a marketer who can design or you're not a salesperson who can design. You're just a mark, you know, a, a designer in this case. And, um, and I think that visual storytelling, although it's like, it's partially democratized already that, you know, like yourself, you're creating an institute to teach people all about like visual storytelling there. Um, mm -hmm. Others and their tools, even right now, they're empowering people more and more. So right now it feels like, um, you know, like people look at storytelling still as a siloed profession, but I, I think more and more it's going to be like, you're a marketer and you're, you know, you're a storyteller at the same time. You're a um, engineer and you're a storyteller at the same time. So it will be, you know, the more it's democratized, we'll, we'll get there to the point where you're not like, I, of course, there's still always going to be design experts yeah. um, as there will be, you know, storytelling experts and we will never run away from that. But I, I think that um, the, the gap is going to be a lot lesser um, in the next like five to 10 years. Um, it's speeding up already because I, I can just see the amount of attention that storytelling gets, especially in 2020, actually. Mm -hmm. My... Um, one of my managers who was attending a couple of conferences, like I think she was in Edward, et cetera, like, you know, just looking and keeping her um, ears and eyes out for what's going on. And she was like, you will not believe how many times I've heard the word storytelling in yeah. those talks, you know, like it's just too much. It's as if like, if you, whichever sector you're in, people yeah. talk about storytelling and she's like, you're a designer, they talk about it. You're a marketer, they talk about it. You're in sales, they talk about it. Like you're in startups and tech, they talk about it. So it's like, it's, it's nonstop. Um, so I think that- Do you think it's a fad? Like, you know, five years ago, 10 years ago, everybody's, we're talking about content marketing. Yeah. And now it's storytelling. Do you think it's a fact no, or is it going to stay? I don't think so. <laughs> so similarly, like, I mean, people talk about it because it's like, it's such a buzzword, you know, like similar with infographics, you know, yeah. everything else, but they're never ever going to go away. I mean, like mm. the form of it may change. People yeah. may like use a different term because they're also sick of, you know, using the word storytelling or whatever. Yeah. But I felt like the idea is that the core principle is there. You need to make your message understandable. You yeah. have got to, you know, communicate this um, in the, and, and, ensure that people are actually impacted through the message so that would never change that that mm -hmm. inherent intent for every person who's communicating to right. want to ensure that the message arrives really well and is well received by the audience would never change and i i that's why i think it may take different shapes and sizes or forms or words or mm -hmm. you know trends and different sectors may be adopting it but i i don't see it going away <laughs> yeah i think yeah. so too yeah, yeah, yeah it's gonna be a really fascinating ride that's for sure <laughs> yeah so just in conclusion, uh, you know, you shared so many valuable tips here today. So maybe you can summarize us, you know, the topic of the day. What is your top three tips for creating the impactful visual stories? Yeah, sure. So I, um, I think about like first um, back to the, like what were the like key drivers for, uh, you know, compelling visual stories. So the first, I would always think about like the story or the message, whichever, and to think, why is this even compelling? Why is this, is this novel? You know, do people understand it? Um, and then, you know, think about how I would structure it. And then for the, the actual design itself, I would try my best to like cut the fluff, and, you know, keep it as um, succinct as possible, as clean as possible, so that whoever's looking at it would get it in um, the quickest amount of time. And um, the other thing for me is like really testing out your message. I find this really important because sometimes where like, 
it's very difficult to work on a, whether it's a keynote or even a report that's really important or a presentation that's really important on your own. And we all need feedback. And the earlier we can get that, like, I try to draft out my messages in uh, like just a couple of sentences or paragraphs and I throw that to a couple of people and just be like, what do you feel? What do you think I'm trying to say here? Try to get them to recap. Like, how do you feel when you, you know, like when you read this? And once I get that start story arc done almost right, then I move on to the rest of it. Like mm. actually fleshing it out, you know, creating yeah. visuals. But I think that initial validations better done earlier rather than you've created the entire thing designed the entire thing and then you give it to feedback to me that's a bit late you will waste a lot of time and effort no, so yeah but i um these are a few tips that i usually um practice on my own yeah yeah and i think these are all very smart ones i really like the last one because you know a lot of times things that you've created it, it has a meaning only to you but nobody else <laughs> sees the same thing that you see <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. It's important to validate earlier. Cool. Yeah. Thank you so much, I think, for such a great uh, opportunity to learn more about uh, your journey and how you see the world of visual storytelling. Uh, and so for our folks that are actually watching this video or actually tuning in on, on the podcast network, say, if they have any questions, how can they reach out to you? look up for me either on LinkedIn or on Twitter. So on Twitter, I'm A-C-G-O-H and on LinkedIn, it's my full name. So you just have to spell it out but you'll find me. <laughs> awesome. So. All right. Again, thank you so much, I think It's been a fantastic experience for me and to have a chance to really chat with you. I really enjoyed your summit. So this is a great opportunity to dig deeper and kind of, in a way, continue the summit. <laughs> one yeah. One. And no, thank you so much for thinking of doing this. This is fun. Yeah, yeah. So, thank you again. And for all of you watching or uh, uh, tuning in, uh, yeah, let's uh, keep in touch in, in the upcoming episode of Visual Storytelling Today. Thank you. Visual Storytelling Today is recorded in Miami, Florida. The show is published exclusively by Visual Storytelling Institute. Learn more at visualstorytell.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on the iTunes Store. Until next time. Don't let your big story wait to be told.